Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 310. Hope everyone had a great 4th of July. And for those of you that have been competing in the Elite Amateur Golf Series, or following it like me. Hope that you all had the past week to recharge the batteries and get settled in for the next wave of tournaments. Amazingly, we are just over a month away from the U.S. Amateur, so we are rapidly approaching the finale of the summer with some very important business to tend to. As for me, I spent an entire month on the road, four tournaments in four weeks, over 3,300 miles traveled, five different Hampton Inns, seven different states, three flat tires. Now, one was not my fault. The other two were definitely my fault. Uh, more coffee than you can imagine, but all, but all things considered, it was a fantastic trip. You should already know the tournaments I attended because you should be following along on social media already. But as a quick review, I started off at the Dogwood Invitational in Atlanta, then I flew to Pittsburgh, made my way to Johnstown, PA for the Sunny Hannah Amateur, the first tournament of the Elite Amateur Golf Series. That's where I had the two flat tires. But again, thanks to my friends at Alamo and Enterprise, crisis was avoided. After that tournament, I drove to Providence, Rhode Island for the Northeast Amateur. Then I went up to Boston and caught a flight from Boston to Raleigh-Durham for my week at the North and South, and then finally made it home to South Florida. There are so many people to thank that made my month run so smoothly. Tournament directors, volunteers, professional staff at all of these facilities, everyone made me feel so welcome and part of their team for the week. I look forward to returning to all four of these tournaments next year. Now, my next stop this summer will be in Dallas, Texas for the Trans-Mississippi Amateur, heading to Brook Hollow for the fourth tournament of the Elite Amateur Golf Series. The points race for the Elite Amateur Cup is extremely tight. Remember, there are U.S. Am exemptions on the line, U.S. Open final qualifying exemptions on the line, Corn Ferry Tour starts, PGA Tour starts. There's a lot to play for. And oh yeah, a few of these guys are jockeying for position to get a spot on the U.S. Walker Cup team. Now, this episode, I can't believe I have to say this, this episode is not a rerun. My guest this week, however, is the same guest as last week. Yeah, back-to-back wins in the Elite Amateur Golf Series means back-to-back appearances at the back of the range. After more than 300 episodes, I guess there is still a first time for everything. So I am welcoming back Nick Dunlap to the back of the range after he captured the win last week at the North and South Amateur at Pinehurst. Trust me, you're going to want to hang around for our conversation, but before getting to Nick, I was able to speak with Matt Nunez the tournament director at Pinehurst. Now, if you think my schedule is nuts, and and it is, Matt's, he's right there with me because the mechanism that is Pinehurst Resort can be overwhelming. And someone needs to try and keep all of the tournaments moving in the right direction all summer long at the resort. That guy is Matt. So before speaking to Nick about his win, let's hear from Matt about how a world-renowned golf resort can pull off an elite amateur golf tournament. Matt, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? 
I'm good, Ben. I'm good. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, man. I mean, hell, great week uh, the other week. So I'm excited. And I'm, I'm looking at my schedule and all the stuff that I'm doing traveling around the country and, uh, you know, covering the Elite Amateur Golf Series tournaments. Your schedule is uh, <laughs> nothing to sneeze at either. You know, we're, we're decompressing after north-south. Um, I have time to do that. You don't. You're right back into the fire with other tournaments at Pinehurst. Before we talk about the north and south and Nick Dunlap's win, uh, what is the what are the next like two three weeks look for you to kind of put things in perspective for people thinking that oh it's just a resort Pinehurst it's just a resort atmosphere what does your next month look like uh, busy to say the least um, but you know busy is good uh, you know as soon as the men's wrapped up you know we we run straight into the junior and then you know we have the the second adaptive open happening at number six uh, next week so. You know, it's kind of all hands on, on deck, you know, prepping for, for that, you know, really great USGA championship, which is, you know, really special to be a part of. And then, you know, at the same time that's happening, we we get the uh, the women's north and south coming in. So, they you know, they start practice rounds this weekend. And, um, you know, in between that, we have member – member play member golf association i mean there's all kinds of stuff happening in pioneers i mean you know building number 10 um it's definitely happening place and uh it's never you know the hustle and bustle of of pioneers is really it's really quite the spectacle so you know it's it's fun to be a part of it all to be honest yeah i i got firsthand uh front row seat of that the the week that i was there for the north and south just seeing like how much is actually going on there and you know like you said you know junior tournaments coming in and resort play and member play when did you first start uh your journey at pinehurst uh 2016 okay actually yeah it's been a while and and maybe i know you um, like we talked about there's so many different facets of, of what goes on at pinehurst but maybe what was your first memory of championship golf at pinehurst now i know all the members are going to claim that they're championship caliber but <laughs> let's just go with tournament play what's your first memory of, of a grand tournament at pinehurst uh the u.s open uh that michael campbell won um i was actually a standard bearer. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was a standard bearer and I must've been like a freshman in high school or sophomore in high school. And, uh, yeah, I think I was a freshman. And, uh, so my dad kind of made me do it and I went out in the first round and my first memory was being on the second fairway. I had this guy, I think he was Australian, Peter, Peter Leonard in the group. Sure. Yeah. And as I'm and as I'm standing there, he's getting ready to hit and a car drives by and just starts honking the horn. Of course. And and uh and it actually happened in the in the men's playoff last week. I don't know if you if you remember that. But, I, I uh, heard some I heard a little bit of uh extraneous noise if that uh yeah, we'll, we'll just leave yeah, it at that. Yeah, there are a few expletives, uh, you know, yeah. Just no, no, no answers for why, but it just yeah. happens sometimes. So, anyways, yeah, Peter Leonard, U.S. Open. I finished the round. I finished 18. Rock Immediate was in that group too, so that was oh, cool. Wow, there you go. And uh, and I told my dad, I can't do it. It's too hot. I was too skinny. <laughs> <laughs> I bailed, and my brother was doing it too. We both just like we can't, we can't. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> 
yeah, so that was the first uh, first job I quit. Okay. And uh, not proud of it looking back on it, but you know, I didn't I didn't know anything. I was <laughs> I was young. Uh, but yeah, that was my first championship, you know, experience at Pinehurst and then and then yeah, and then I went and I was a ops intern with the USGA in 2014. You know, that was my first sort of behind the scenes look. Sure. Uh, what it takes to to conduct a U.S. Open, and that was really unbelievable. Really a great experience as well. So that kind of got you hooked uh, into uh, the game of golf, and then also uh, kind of on the working side of it. And you know, I'm traveling around the country, going to places. You know, Sunny Hannah, Northeast, were obviously my first two stops. But you know, I do this all year long, visiting tournaments, and most of these high level amateur events are at. Uh, or at golf clubs or country clubs where they kind of, you know, they, they obviously don't have the resort atmosphere that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was really kind of thinking, you know, there seems to be like an army of members at all these clubs for, you know, there's the, the housing committee and the volunteer committee and the, you know, you have the registration people and, you know, there's always a, a, a just a, a, a huge amount of uh, a huge pool of people that these clubs can pull from. And I was just kind of thinking, and maybe it's the same at Piners, but how do you get all those people together to take time out of their day to to volunteer for the North and South? Um, you know, whether it's your volunteers or, um, mm-hmm. you know, re- registration rules, all that stuff. How, how do you pull that together for the North and South? You know, we're pretty lucky being in Pinehurst. So I, I would say, you know, 90 to 95% of our volunteers are members and, um, you know, and that, and, you know, that goes for our rules officials as well. And, and we're super lucky to have a very experienced team of rules officials, you know, who do almost all of them at one point or the other have done, you know, Carolina's golf association stuff. And then NCAA, I mean, the masters USGA championships. So from that, you know, perspective we are very lucky and you know the membership you know we've had i've had a lot of the same members you know volunteer i mean they've been, some of them have been doing it for 20 plus years wow so we do have a really really great uh support system you know at piners and these are just these are members who you know participate in the club and they play in golf associations they play in the club championships they play in the the events so you know we see them every day and getting to build, you know, the rapport with, with all of them is, is really special. And, you know, I can't thank them enough, really. Piners Country Club is, uh, it's, it's really a, an incredible resource, you know, as a whole. Yeah, well, I'm great. I'm really grateful that you hit on that because truthfully, when, when I'm, you know, I don't know if I'm the only one, but when you think of Pinehurst, you think again of the resort. You're not thinking of there's an actual membership and there's a, yeah. you just don't think about that. I mean, not I mean, yeah. maybe it's my fault, but I mean, you just, you kind of think of what you see out of Pinehurst when it's on TV. You think of Payne Stewart, Michael Campbell, you think of Keimer and um, you know, you think of things like that. But, um, but yeah, I saw so many volunteers. Everyone was re- super helpful to the players. Um, also, you know, we got seven tournaments in this series, obviously, um, well, maybe not obviously, but these kids are not, these amateurs are not playing in all seven for the most part, you know, probably mm-hmm. five and six is pushing it as it is. 
Um, yep. You know, some players are, are picking the North and South. Some are taking the week off. But the, the field was incredible. Once you fill your field, how many players are trying to get into the, to the championship proper via that, uh, via that qualifier? Yeah. So, you know, we cap our qualifier at a hundred. Um, so 120 player field, I got, uh, a, a record, uh, the last three years we've had a, a record in applications and this year, you know, surpassed all of them. I think we had just uh, North of 600. Oh my. And, um, and you know, the crazy part is, is we had, you know, 140, uh, players who are actually exempt into the championship. So, you hadn't you know, even trimmed down from exempts. Yeah, so we had to trim down exempt players, which is never, you know, never a fun, easy thing to do. Um, so, so that was something I've never seen before. I think the the most exempt players we've ever had, you know, apply to, to for the championships, probably about a hundred or just a little under that. So, you know, clearly, uh, there's you know, there's demand for Pinehurst. There's demand for the North and South. There's demand for for playing Piners number two. I mean, there's really no other way around it. Yeah. Wow. That's a great position to be in. Cause I mean, you're right. It's, it's a, it's a difficult thing you have to do, but I guess, you know, Hey, it only makes your tournament stronger when you get to take a look at those exemption categories and say, okay, we can, I guess we need to trim it a little bit here. So, yeah. Yeah. well, well, that'll be something that you have to deal with looking at next year's uh, championship. Let's uh, let's wrap up and talk a little bit about what happened this year. Um, Right out of the gate, local kid Jackson Van Paris shoots sixty-one. Did that? I mean, that kind of set the tone from the first day, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And you know, I, I thought, I thought coming into the week, just, just having seen scores from the Sunny Hannah and the Northeast, and and just what these guys are doing, and even, you know, the AMs who are playing in the U.S. Open and playing in the Masters. I mean, these players are are way better you know relative to to five six even three four years ago um so i I thought that the scores would definitely be lower than than we've ever seen uh but jackson is uh you know seeing his win at the at the sunny hannah was cool and you know he's you know everybody knows him in pioneers he draws the crowd he's a really really nice guy um so he's always the hometown favorite and you know I can't say I, I, I root for anybody out there, but it was really it was a feel good kind of thing to see to see Jackson win the medalist. Yeah, yeah, no that that sixty one that he hung up and set a course record on number four, and then you know kind of feel bad that oh by the way Alex Price shot sixty three the same day, maybe <laughs> within like I think he came in what like twenty minutes after Jackson, something like that. But um, yeah, that's probably the quietest sixty-three of the summer right now. That got the least amount of attention. I kind of feel oh, bad. Easily. Yeah, I feel easily. bad for Alex. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was the good kickoff, and then we get into match play. And you know, I'm going to ask, um, you know, I'm going to ask Nick Dunlap in a few minutes this question. Not you know, nine out of the sixteen matches in the round of thirty-two went to the eighteenth hole or beyond. So when you look at that stat and kind of think about what do you think is the reason that all these matches went so deep? Well, you know, course two is it, it's uh, it's an equalizer course. Um, you know, all these kids now they're they're so good. You know, they don't have an issue hitting it straight in the fairway, hitting it onto the green. 
Um, so if there's, you know, if you can't separate yourself, which these days you really can't just by ball striking alone, um, you know, you're going to have matches that go long on, on course two because it all comes down to, you know, can you make the putts? Can you read the putts right? I mean, I, I've been out there on course two hundreds of times and you could have a putt and it, it's like, I can think in my head, man, I've hit this putt 50 times before and I'm pretty sure it goes left to right. And then you're thinking like, well, you hit it and then it goes right to left and you're just like, damn, I, I like, I wish I wrote that down because right, I swear right. those, I swear those greens, like you can have these putts over and over and over and you're still second guessing you know, which way the ball is actually going to go or even whether it's uphill or downhill. So when you put that into perspective, you're going to have these matches where, you know, both guys are feeding off each other, making all the putts or just no putts drop and you just get a ton of halved holes. Um, so, you know, that really, that's really the biggest factor into why, you know, we see all these matches going, going to overtime and, you know, it's, it really kind of makes the, makes you know watching makes experiencing the match play and all the people out there it makes it a lot of fun yeah i was really impressed with the the galleries that were you know following uh, the matches whether it's you know whether jackson and paris was was playing it or not i mean he ultimately made it to the semifinals, made it to the final day and you know dropped his morning match to uh to carl Phillips, which would set up the final between him and and nick dunlap and i'm going to get to nick dunlap in a second here to visit with him but, um, you know, for some people that are, um, you know, just kind of getting a glimpse into the world of amateur golf through, uh, you know, through all these great championships and through the Elite Amateur Golf Series, what were, you know, what was something that you saw to Nick uh, Dunlap this week that um, maybe impressed you and also maybe is going to have you be paying attention a little bit closer to, uh, to the rest of this summer to see how things kind of pan out with that, uh, you know, with that chase for the Elite Amateur Cup? Him winning the the Northeast, um, definitely kind of, I mean, you know, obviously won the junior at, down the road at uh, CCNC a couple years ago. So, you know, people know he's a kind of rising star kind of dude um, winning the Northeast. He's obviously in really good form. You know, probably what impressed me the most about him was, was his demeanor. Um, you know, I'd never met him before, uh, but he was, you know, he's even keel, like he's confident, you know, he's got a little fist pump going on, but he just doesn't seem to really be phased by a whole lot. And again, if you're playing course two, you're going to get some bad breaks out there. So, you know, if you're like, if you're losing your cool, you know, you're pretty much toast, but he was able to, to really just sort of keep his head down and, and just kind of go at it. So yeah. that was, you know, that was the one thing that stuck out, you know, for him to me the most. Well, Matt, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at the North and South. I know every single player did as well. And uh, yeah, I, I was thrilled to hear so many, all the interest you're getting in this tournament. And of course it's Pinehurst. So I think, you know, can't say it any better than that. You're going to have all the, the best amateurs in the world trying to get their spot in next year's field. So uh, yeah, yeah, I appreciate all the hospitality, uh, your entire team your ops team, the volunteer team, just everyone at Pioneers, just an incredible week. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you down the road and uh, look forward to seeing you next year at the North and South. Sounds good, Ben. Thanks a lot for having me on. Thanks a lot for, you know, coming to Pinehurst. And uh, I know, you know, it's cool to see the guys all kind of, 
latch on to you. They're, they really enjoy uh, you being on site and you, you, you know, you provide a little lightness for them and, you know, joking around with them and, and stuff. So that, that's been cool to, to see you guys interact as well. And again, anything you need, if you're ever going to be back to Piners, if it's not next year or before, just let me know. How about you, me, and Peter Lonard uh, getting a three ball sometime out there, Piners number two? How, how's that? Why don't we do that? No? <laughs> Perfect. Thank you to Matt Nunez for joining me here at the back of the range. Might have to take him up on that uh, that three ball with Peter Lonard. Before jumping into my conversation here with Nick, don't forget, follow along on social media, both the back of the range and the Elite Amateur Golf Series. Anything that you need to know about the Elite Amateur Golf Series, head over to their website, EliteAmateurGolfSeries.org. And the Back of the Range, you know by now. Just head over to TheBackOfTheRange.com. Let's jump into this conversation with the back-to-back champion of the Elite Amateur Golf Series, Nick Dunlap. Sir, welcome. How are you? Great. Yeah, I just just got through getting whooped up on by Michael Johnson's little 61 today. but, um, But no, just trying to survive the heat. Here in uh, here in Tuscaloosa. Awesome. Well, uh, so this was we're we're talking uh, the day after the Fourth of July. So you played a little golf today. What was the game? Talk to me about where you're playing uh, and how you're kind of decompressing after uh, after two busy weeks on the road. Yeah. So uh, are you much at sixty two? Actually, it's eight eight under nine under something like that. Uh, Ten. I, I don't know. Anyway, I think it's par seventy, uh, old Overton, but. Um, but no, yeah, we just got a couple of pros together and uh, kind of a fun, laid-back little game. Um, it always kind of gets a little, uh, little intense the last four holes. Uh, we play a little wolf, but um, but no, just kind of going and competing with them. Um, took the last few days off, enjoyed the fourth, uh, rode around the boat a little bit, um, did some uh, did some rope swinging and and all that good stuff, but. Um, but no, just kind of get back into it the next couple of days. Um, do a little bit of wedge work this afternoon, um, and I'll kind of get back to my full practice tomorrow. And then I think I'll leave Saturday or Sunday for transmiss. I think I'm driving, so I'm not sure which day yet, but one of the two. Nice. Well, the um, you know I, you mentioned being out on the boat. I, I was kind of ex- hoping or expecting maybe a a photo op with you know you wearing the northeast amateur blue jacket <laughs> and then the the north and south pinehurst trophy and and maybe you wearing some you know water wings or something like that i don't was there anything did that did that ever happen or i mean no no i actually i don't um ben is shipping my jacket i actually haven't gotten my jacket back but i've got a couple of pictures with that uh i went on the boat on the way home from north south and i got a couple of pictures with it on the boat but uh but no, just uh, a lot of uh, a lot of floating around and, and vegging and relaxing. Nice, nice. Well, you are the first. I don't think I've ever had anyone back to back as a guest here at the back of the range. Normally, you try and space these things out, but you know, with the Elite Amateur <laughs> Golf Series, you know, what's really funny is that when I when Jackson Van Paris won the Sunny Hannah, I immediately, had, of course, had him on and we spoke and. Uh, you know, as kind of an intro to people kind of understanding a little bit more about the Elite Amateur Series and what I'm going to be doing here at the back of the range, highlighting uh, the champions, I, I kind of actually said, I, I kind of slipped up and I said, yeah, you know, this series will be, I'll be having all seven champions on the podcast. And he corrected me. He's like, well, you know, it might not be seven. And I was like, oh, that's right. I completely apologize. So he kind of uh, reminded me and, um, 
and yeah, he, uh, you are the first uh, two-time champion in the history of the Elite Amateur Series, and the first two-time or first back-to-back champion of the Elite Amateur Series after winning the Northeast Am, and then uh, following up the week later at Pinehurst at the North and South. How did your week start? I know there was some. Um, you're no stranger to that area. I know there was a, a fun uh, get together um, and function over at CCNC. Uh, yeah. So uh, first of all. Um, got in late or, or I guess probably like a five thirty flight, um, into Pinehurst. That was the day before the practice round, I think. And I kind of, you know, got there, walked around a little bit, but, um, wasn't working on too much sleep, um, from the night before, but, um, but no, got there, walked around a little bit. Um, and then we had a CCNC hosted a nice little function, um, where they, uh, they had actually bought a replica of the, of the junior am trophy um for the club and then i um i gave that the l wedge that i hit a couple of shots with and hit the bunker shot in the last hole i gave that to the to the club so they kind of we did some q a and um, i talked to a couple of the members that showed up and um, actually jackson's dad uh, mr van Parrish, shared some some funny stories um just from the past i, I go way back with that family but um yeah it was, it was a special little uh little thing I was a part of and um, always fun to be back at CCNC. Country Club in North Carolina is just right around the corner from Pinehurst. Um, yeah. Anytime you get Todd Van Paris in the, the vicinity of a microphone, uh, that's, that's yeah. must see, that's must see TV right there. I know. I know. It kind of scared me, honestly. <laughs> what, uh, what were some of the questions? I mean, I'm sure that some were kind of standard, um, you know, what, what did it feel like to win a USJ championship, but maybe did anything kind of, pop into your mind or kind of stand out as something that maybe gave you a little bit of pause to think about? Um, I'd say, you know, a little bit, obviously about the golf course, uh, a little bit about pressure and, and kind of the certain scenarios that, um, that you might endure while being out there, you know, how to deal with them, how to deal with nerves, whether it's at the U S open or coming down the stretch, the last couple of holes of a, of a golf tournament like that. Um, but no, honestly, just kind of having laughs with, with some of the members. And, um, I would say outside of there's, there was one question about pressure that kind of made me pause and think about it for a minute, but, um, but not really just kind of, you know, kicking back and having some fun with those guys. I know that when we spoke after the Northeast Amateur, uh, we kind of alluded to the fact that you're going from Wanamoisa, Northeast golf, thick, rough, bent grass greens to, uh, to Pinehurst, you know, Donald Ross elevated, turtleback greens um you know waste areas instead of you know five inch rough and Mm -hmm. um that was something we spoke about that that's you're gonna have to get acclimated to that so when you first did get on property obviously you're no stranger to play into that area of the united states but uh what were maybe some of the things that stuck out with uh with piners number four and piners number two when you actually got on property um i would say you know obviously um I've got a, I've got a foresight now and I've, I've partnered up with them and using that, um, in the practice round has helped me tremendously, whether, you know, in Northeast you might, you know, have a little bit, some thicker air, same thing with the West coast. Um, and obviously you got a Pinehurst and the ball's going miles. Um, so kind of adjusting to that. And then also, like you said, those Donald Ross greens, like it's never bad to be in the middle of them. I mean, whether it's with a L wedge, you might find yourself aiming 15 feet right of the hole or left of the hole or, or whatever. But, um, and yeah, just kind of around the greens, the, the grass was a little bit longer than maybe I'd seen in the past, um, playing those two golf courses. It was almost long enough to where 
it got a little challenging to putt. Um, they were a little grainy. So, you know, just kind of trying to figure out, um, cause obviously chipping out of bent and bent rough and, um, and bent fairways is different than Bermuda and Bermuda rough. So, um, kind of, you know, trying to get acclimated to that, um, and get, uh, get a little bit of an understanding of how I was going to hit some of the shots around the, around the greens at that place. You got through stroke play um, uh, pretty pretty easily as far as uh, where you ended up as a seventh seed. So you shot 67 on, on number four to start off, and then 69 on uh, Pinehurst number two. That got you the seventh seed. This, uh, you know, this north and south, when we start thinking about amateur tournaments that have a match play component, you know, you have to, it's it's kind of stuck in between of, of the Western and the USAM. The Western, you got to get into that sweet 16 after four rounds. Um, you know, USAM, you got to get into that top, you know, 64 after two rounds. And here at, the, at uh, North and South, you got to get to, you know, round to 32. You got to get to the in, into that 32 spot after just two rounds of golf. So you, you, I guess you, I mean, you tell me, you can kind of be patient, but there also is, you know, you kind of got to make a move and make sure you're inside that number relatively right off the bat. Um, yeah, I would say just between the two golf courses, you know, on, on number four, um, it had some teeth to it, obviously, but there was a, there was a lot of birdie holes out there. Obviously you saw what Jackson and, um, and Alex golf did, I believe, um, two great rounds, but, um, but no, I mean, through last year, I think the cut was even, I want to say, I think there was, or I think even actually got in clean and I thought the course was playing pretty similar to what it was last year. So I kind of had it in the back of the line, like, okay, the cut's going to be riding around even or one under, which you, know, you have a drive hole, you've got some pretty gettable par fives on number four. And if you just start kind of going through it, like, okay, like if I can shoot one under on each nine holes, like that's, that's all I've got to do. And, yeah. you know, I shot three under on number four. And when you kind of put it that way, like, okay, well, one under on nine holes, like that leaves me some, some room to make mistakes. Like I can make a double and still shoot nine, one under on nine holes. Right. And when you put it that way, you don't find yourself, you know, if you're even through six, trying to press and get it to know, to you know, a couple under, where I think early on, on number four, everybody was lighting it up. And I think I was like one over through seven. I'm like, okay, like, you know, I birdied eight and nine to shoot one under. I'm like, perfect. I'm right on track. You know, shoot two under in the back and you just kind of keep playing. Um, 36 holes, you don't have to win. You don't have to be one seed. Um, granted, it, it helps. Um, but you really just kind of have to get a, a tee time for the next day. So you're kind of breaking up your rounds. I guess this is a, a good thing for people listening that, you know, whether or not it's the North South or it's a qualifier for a state AM or, or, you know, even qualifying for during a, the college season or high school season, you're kind of breaking up the 18s a little bit. You're breaking things up kind of, you know, breaking up into smaller sample sizes that am I gathering correctly? Yeah. And I think it, it too, like it, it, I did it a lot in Monday qualifiers as well. So you know, when you get there, you're like, oh, I've got to shoot seven or eight under. It's right. like, well, no, like if I can just turn it, if I can turn, if I can be three under through 10 and you never know in the last eight holes, like you can make an Eagle or whatever. But if you break it up that way, you're like, okay, like three under through 10, like that's not that hard. Like, you know, like I can make three birdies. Um, Cause when you, you know, when you show up to the tee and you're like, I've got to shoot 64, it can be a little, a little daunting and you feel like you can't make a mistake, but if you're like, if I, all I have to do is get it to 300 through 10, like you can bogey the first two and still be 300 through 10. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of like in a mindset where if I kind of break it up, like it, it frees me up a little bit and I don't feel like I have to like play perfectly or play mistake free, or it, it allows me to, 
um, to loosen up and, and, and hit some good shots. So you're kind of putting that that final number out of your head that can be pretty it's, it's, pretty daunting before you get to the to the first tee, and you're just kind of breaking up and kind of giving yourself kind of like you know you know checkpoints throughout the middle. It's honestly just an illusion for your brain. It's just to, <laughs> it really is. It's just yeah. trying to make like golf really hard and anything for me, that's made it a little bit easier for me, especially in these, um, in these qualifiers that, you know, if you start playing well, you can kind of lose focus because you know, you don't have to win. Like you just have to kind of get it around. And I think if I kind of set that goal, it keeps me on track, um, throughout, but no, it's like I said, it, it, just setting simple goals like that has helped me. So you get to match play, and this is a question. So I'm curious, and this may just be a freak anomaly, but uh, obviously round of 32, you have 16 matches, and nine of the 16 matches, including yours, went to the 18th hole or beyond. Your your match went 20 holes against Ben Warian from Minnesota, beat him in 20 holes. Um, but can you, I mean, do you have any thoughts on maybe why all of those matches went I mean, a lot of matches went deep. There's a couple, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't say blowouts, but there are a couple of matches that were that were hand handily taken care of early. But for the most part, a lot of matches are going deep around Pioneer's number two. Do you have any uh, maybe insight as to why that may have happened? Um, it's not junior golf anymore. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're playing against some of the best amateurs in, in the country and in the entire world, um, and it really is, you know as simple as that, you know, you go from, from junior golf where obviously, you know, you're going to have your really good players, but now like, you know, you're playing against players in amateur golf that a weren't in your junior golf category, whether they came from overseas or they didn't start playing golf until later. And then you're playing against older guys and and mid ams and everybody gets thrown in the mix. And you know, you're playing against a hundred or 150 or however many of the best players in the world. Um, so when you kind of look at it that way, and obviously on a course like number two, um, a lot of these guys are smart enough now and experienced enough to where a golf course like number two and it's, you know, kind of tricks, like a lot of people are, are used to them. Um, and a lot of people are smart enough to play the middle of the green. Um, and I think that's led to why, um, and honestly, if you do that, like if you hit 18 of 18 greens out there, which is almost impossible, but if you hit 14 or you know 13 greens, like, you're not going to be that far from the hole out there. So like you're going to have 13 or 14 birdie looks. Um, I think that's um, kind of the mindset a lot of people, a lot of people took and um, maybe one of the reasons that a lot of the matches went so far. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on right there. I think it's the combination of, of the quality of player and also the golf course. It doesn't seem like it's a golf course where it's easy to close and you, you, get one number wrong heading into a green, you spin a ball off the front and mm-hmm. there it is. Yep. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a very penal golf course. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of the shots, um, I, I said it to my caddy a lot this week. I'm like, Hey man, like, don't say good shots once that ball stops. <laughs> Cause you don't, you don't know if it's going to stop or not. Um, but yeah, exactly. I learned that lesson a long time ago. I can't remember where it might've, might've been at Hoy Lake in 2019 at the Walker cup. But I'm like, you know what? That's a good rule of thumb from now on, Ben, just, just keep your mouth shut till that ball stops and, uh, (laughs) won't won't get in trouble that way. But yeah, there's nothing worse than saying, Oh, great shot. And all of a sudden, yeah, the ball's still moving. That's, that's a, that's a problem. Your, your round of 16 match. I think you and I caught up afterwards, uh, Jack Lundeen from Missouri, 
you guys yeah. kind of went at it. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's really hard to pick one of your matches. That's the, that's the marquee match of your tournament. But that one, you know, two and one over Jack on paper, you're like, all right, you know, he beat him pretty handily. You guys went at it. I think you were both like three under on the front. Yeah, I think we were. That sounds right. I mean, uh, I might have been one down. Anyway, something like that. But we were both six under through 13 God with no bogeys. God. Um, and it was kind of, you know, I birdied 12 to get within, to get back to even. And then I hit it to literally like a foot on 14. And he rolls one in from like 35 feet. I'm like, all right, well, I guess it's going to be one of these type of matches. <laughs> um, but no, he played. I mean, we both did. We both played great. Um, and yeah, you know, make seven birdies on Pinehurst number two and, and no bogeys. And we, you know, should have went to the 18th hole. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was the match that, um, it took the most out of me for sure. So, I mean, you know, have to be that, um, that focused and hit that many good shots in that golf course. Um, there's obviously the, the pressure was high and, uh, momentum switched back and forth numerous times. Um, and yeah, I think that was a morning match as well. So I think that evening I was a little, uh, a little spent. Yeah, that's uh, and Jack's having a great summer. He's played all three of the Elite Amateur Series events. He sits right now in the top ten. He, you know, made a nice little bump up after the North and South. So again, I mean, one of those guys out of Missouri, SEC. Um, I mean, he battle tested throughout the season, playing a lot of great tournaments with great fields. So not, not surprising really when you look at it on paper. But yeah, when it come hits you right in the face and uh yeah he's not going anywhere that uh, like you said that that definitely probably took the most out of you the one match i also want to talk about before we, we really get into the final against carl Phillips is um you uh you run into uh mr ford mr david ford in the quarterfinals you beat him three and yeah. two and david has something uh that that i know that uh, that you want as well he has uh, been named a member of the uh the, this year's u.s walker cup team uh, I don't think I'm reaching too much to assume that that uh, did not escape your attention heading into that match. No, it, it didn't. And obviously, uh, you know, David and I and Maxwell as, as well, we've been good friends for, and good buddies for a long time. Um, played a lot of golf together growing up. I think I've had more run-ins with Maxwell um, than David. But, but yeah, honestly, you know, it, it was a fun match. Um, and it, it really was. You know, I think my early two or three matches or two matches, like I – I knew who they were, um, but I wasn't really buddies with them. And, and it was kind of cool to go out and compete against somebody. Um, obviously, as, as good as David is, and it was funny, my caddy, we got to like the fourth or fifth hole. And he doesn't, you know, I, I don't think he follows, you know, rankings or anything like that. Um, and he's like, hey, man, like, you know, this kid's pretty good. I'm like, well, he's, you know, the third best amateur in the world. So, yeah, I'd say he's pretty good. Um, Give me a get, Okay, before I, I want to make sure we need to properly introduce your caddy to people listening because that probably, <laughs> um, not that you aren't an entertaining person, Nick, but uh, your caddy was literally the comic oh relief. Of, yeah, your the comic relief of team team Dunlap. So let's uh, properly introduce your caddy to uh, to the uh, to the people listening. Uh, who was on your bag? Yeah, so his name is Varun. Um, he's from Birmingham. Um, his brother is the same age as I am. Um, but Varun, he played golf at Hampton, Sydney. I think it's a D3 school. I think they were pretty good, actually, when he played. Um, but no, he's uh, he's working now, and I think he's actually about to move to Hawaii um, with his girlfriend. But, but no, he was living in Virginia um, working, and um, he I think he's a member at Forest Creek, which, if I want to say correctly, it's fairly close to 
Pinehurst. Um, and no, he was driving down. He's like, Hey, you know, I'm driving down. I'm like, well, you should just come caddy. And I haven't seen you in a little while. And, um, but yeah, he had some, he had some moments where it just, I mean, on the 18th hole against Ben, the first match, um, he was visibly nervous. I mean, you could see it. Um, and we got on that tee and I think, I, I think I had the tee box if I'm not mistaken, but it's like, Hey man, you know, what do you want to hit here? I'm like, I don't know. I'm thinking, give me a second. Wind was off the left. I'm like, give me a driver and a three wood. Like, I'm just going to stand up here and, and see which one I feel comfortable with. And he gives, he pulls out dryer. He pulls out three wood and my alignment stick and hands me my alignment stick. <laughs> I said, I take the alignment stick. I'm like, Vroon, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with alignment stick, man. But like, I, you know, I might need something, you know, a little bit of loft on it. Like I need to hit this thing. A little more mass behind the head of, yeah, I, I, like yeah. I, you know, uh, we got like a force carry of like 70 yards, man. Like I need to get this thing up in the air. Lima stick's not going to do it. Uh-huh. Um, but no, we had some, we had some comical moments out there and, um, you know, just to, just to laugh and a moment like that. And he didn't obviously mean it, but, um, it actually helps, helps a lot. So it helps when your caddy is, uh, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. But you're you're saying him being a flake kind of help things help keep things light. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, and he and, and to credit to him, like he did a great job. He had some good reads throughout the week. Um, always had a water, and it's my my one and only rule out there is you can't lose my towel. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And he and obviously like I've got I've got sweaty hands, um, so my towel is the only the, the most important thing um in my equipment but no he did a great job and um you know that's a that's a lot of golf and um a lot of holes to be walking with a bag on your back yeah he uh anytime i ever saw veroni always smiling and i was really oh, just it's wa- just po- positive vibes always oh yeah and i knew that anytime he would start talking to me about something i'm like i'm gonna end up laughing after the after the end of this like whatever he's gonna say yeah i'm just so yeah that is that is good um so you you get through your semi matches, uh, the semifinal matches against Gustav Fremo from TCU. Um, loved ha- loved seeing him. Just really, he he had an excellent week, and um, I know he had a young caddy on his bag. That was kind of a special thing at Piners. It seems like the the caddies were part as much of the story as uh, as the players were at some point. But you get to the final, and you're going up against Carl Phillips, guy that uh, you know has been really around the amateur scene for so long, uh, plays at Stanford. He, you know, finished top five of the elite am series, uh, elite amateur cup standings last year, parlayed though the exemption that he, um, you know, he received an exemption into final qualifying for the U S open this year, got through successfully. So he is the first person to play in a major championship after an exemption granted by the elite amateur golf series. So you go against him in the final and there's so much history at Pinehurst. And I know when you're caught in the hustle and bustle of a tournament and a lot of different moving parts, it's kind of easy to forget about that. But did it start kind of sinking in when you two were posing for a picture next to the Putter Boy trophy that, okay, this this is what I've worked for all week long? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you you know, hit the nail right on the head. Pinehurst is a, it's a very special place when it comes to the history of golf. And um, obviously, you know, with pain and, and so many other people that, um, have won there. And I think they mentioned Jack won the, the putter boy trophy as well. Um, and yeah, you, you know, you can go through the history books and the names on the wall. I mean, this tournament's been around for 123 years, um, which I think is um, pretty amazing. And, and, you know, to, to be a part of that um, and have my, have my name 
um, etched in with some of those guys is uh, truly remarkable and something that that'll never go away. Um, and then honored to be a part of that. Yeah. So you go into this final match and, uh, you know, you're, like you said, coming off of the Northeast, that was a long week and, and getting down to Pinehurst, you had some travel, uh, complications and you, you finally get there and it's hot. It's, it's in the nineties. It's humid. It's exhausting. Um, this match got suspended after uh, 11 holes due to this freak rain shower that came in. We'll talk about that in a second, but talk to me about maybe the early moments of this match. Cause you know, Carl had, uh, you know, it was suspended. Carl had a two-up lead, but I think you and I spoke. I remember you saying that you could have, you could have been four down. Does that sound about right? Yeah, easily. Um, you know, it was kind of one of those matches like Carl hit it great. Um, you know, I think all the way through the match, um, I don't think he put it his best, but, um, but no, he, he had some opportunities early to, to kind of get me. And I was, I, like, I was exhausted. I was, you know, I didn't have much energy. Me and David were talking about it through our match. And we're both like, I just, I mean, this is all like, I were just both just spent. Um, and yeah, I just didn't have much. Um, I kind of got it around. I had some, some really, really good par saves and up and downs and, had an up and down on like seven from like 50 yards, tie the hole and, and up and down on 11. And just to kind of keep me in it, I hung around, you know, just long enough. And um, I was kind of looking for, obviously before the rain hit a, a, a shot to turn the momentum. I couldn't get the tee box. You know, I think he hit almost every fairway, you know, it was just hard to kind of get something going. Um, I wasn't really making much. Um and like I said, I, I did a great job of kind of hanging around and keeping myself in striking distance because, you know, two down is one shot and, you know, one down is anything can happen. Um, so, you know, and then obviously the, the rain delay, um, which really was the best thing to happen um, for me. Um, I mean, even if that meant sit out for an hour and a half and I could kind of regroup and calm down and, and go back out there with a, with a different mindset and, and try to hit some shots, but um, to come back in the morning and, to get some fresh legs and get some sleep and food at me and um, come back in the morning. So I think I played really well every match in the morning. Um, it was just kind of, you know, as the week went on and the more golf I played, the less energy I had. Um, and like I said, to come back in the morning helped me a lot. People come from all over the world to play Pinehurst number two. And the last thing that, I mean, the nightmare situation is they arrive and it's raining. You probably in the history of Pinehurst may be the only person that left that place knowing you can't play the golf course because it rained. I mean, how happy were you to just be like, thank God this day's over. You must've been on cloud nine. Oh yeah. I mean, we were walking off the 11 T and it kind of started to rain. And first of all, we didn't have an umbrella and we had one towel. So we're like, it's starting to rain. And I'm kind of looking at green. I'm like, this is, this what happened. Like we don't have an umbrella. And actually, um, uh, Miss, Miss Kathy Hart, Hartwiger, I believe is her name, Hartwinger, something like that. She's a, like an icon in, in women's golf in Alabama. She's won everything, but she lives in Pinehurst, um, actually gave me her, her umbrella for a hole, um, and they ended up calling it. But, um, but yeah, I just remember sitting, sitting under that like 19th hole or like the turn house or whatever is kind of in the middle of, um, number two and number four and you know you have guys paying 250 bucks to play number four 500 to play number two and they're sitting there just getting drenched and i can't even imagine that like you know, like you said book a book a trip for 
however long in advance to come and for that to happen it's like that would suck that, that would be terrible <laughs> i mean and you're just like please even imagine it yeah that was actually crazy because you know it was funny is um jackson van paris would want to come out and watch the final i mean he you know shoots me a text he's like hey i'm coming out can you you know come pick me up in your golf cart i'm like yeah yeah no problem so he texts me and i go grab him i you know drive all the way out to the parking lot pick him up we're heading back and it starts to drizzle. And we're both like thinking nothing of it. Like, oh, it's just a little pass. And I think he pulls it up on his phone. He's like, yeah, yeah, there's this little cell. And uh, the skies opened up. It literally, for like 90 minutes to two hours, it did not stop. It was like a monsoon. Did not stop no. Monsoon. There's greens flooded, fairways flooded. And it was kind of, com- I mean, I feel, like I said, I feel bad. But there's people playing over on the four, on number four. And they're coming in and push carts. And they're just soaked. And uh, yeah, it was really bad. So you, you kind of get off the golf course you get back so easier said than done of all right i'll just get rest and just flip this match on its head and and you know come back and win but what were you doing in the evening or what was your kind of mindset knowing that okay i'm two down um you know we're on the 11th hole we both are uh, you know trying to save par uh how did you mentally prepare for the following day and execute yeah you know like you said we had seven holes and I guess on, on the green on 11. So seven and a half, if you want to call it, I, I felt like I had the advantage on 11 and my goal was to get, you know, go get that up and down. If I chip it in great, if, if he gives me a gift, great. But like my, my mindset was like, okay, I'm two down with seven to play seven holes is a lot. And my goal is to get, my goal is to get the T as fast as I could. And if I could get the T, I could, we could kind of play, like I wanted to play at my pace. Like I wanted to be the first one to hit. I wanted to force him to, to hit some shots. And that was kind of my goal. Um, and we both got a, he, he great up and down on 11. Um, he had a great bunker shot and I birdied 12. I'm like, okay, I got the T 13 disaster. Was, I mean, awful hole. Like for both of us, I would say he, he had a great chip. Um, but I mean that the momentum on that hole legitimately switched five times. Um, I actually chipped it in for bogey and he missed probably a, a six or seven footer for par. Um, so honestly, I went from he had a poor tee shot, right? And I hit it in the middle of the fairway. And it went from me thinking I had the advantage to me walking off the hole, thinking I won the hole. That's what right. it felt like. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of kept that going. hit some good shots on 14 and 15 um, with a really good up and down on 16 um, from like 80 yards to tie the hole. And then, um, kind of led to 17, 18. I was able to keep that momentum and, um, and hit some good shots coming in. Well, you, you flip this match, you win the championship and, uh, obviously all the, uh, you know, all the nice things that come after winning, you know, with the trophy presentation and kind of letting it sink in that you are the 123rd North and South amateur champion. And then you got that long drive. So you have what, six, seven hour drive back home. Eight. Eight. Gosh. Eight. Yeah. In the in the Camry rental car. Um but no, I it's definitely uh that drives a lot a lot easier when you do win and play well. But um I, I honestly I don't mind being in the car that long. You know, you can call some people and, and talk to them and you know, call your close friends and family and uh, they they always want to talk to you. But I've gotten on these dateline podcast kicks. Um, because you've listened to every single back of the range podcast already and you're just i've already listened i've already listened to all of them so now i've I've, I've gone on to the but but, uh but now i'm I'm actually i may end up switching my major to um to criminal justice for for whatever reason i find that 
um, all that kind of stuff fairly fascinating. So yeah, I listen to some of those and it helps time pass by a little bit easier. What is the now, now, now we're going to get off, off, off topic here, but, uh, it seems kind of on brand with the back of the range. As many people know, I cannot, uh, I think I'm contractually obligated to stop at a Bucky's anytime I drive past one. <laughs> is there a, uh, is there kind of a go-to that you have on these road trips? I mean, cause you're driving from Alabama to, to Texas for, uh, for the, for the trans trans Mississippi. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, what is the kind of the go-to for you on the road? Um, you know, I would say I, it just kind of depends. I actually did. It's funny. Said, I did stop and there's a Bucky's off I-20 and in, um, in Pell City, Alabama running. Uh, I was going from obviously west to east or east to west um, passing through Birmingham. And I actually did stop there. But uh, but no, I really don't like stopping when I'm driving, to be honest. Like I'll stop for gas and but I normally pack some food with me and I'd rather just get the drive over with. Like I keep on going. I don't like stopping, but it's funny. Whenever I do pass the Bucky's, I will stop because they've got some of that like caramel popcorn and I abs. I get like three bags of it. Absolutely love it. If Um, you tell them that, you know me, I think you get a discount. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. If you just mention the back of the range, they'll, they'll world known at Bucky's. Yeah. It's pretty much a thing. Yeah. It's uh, (laughs) actually, there is absolutely no affiliation between the back of the range and Bucky's, but I feel that if I just keep talking about it, someone out there will be like, you know, we can make that happen. So um, I really don't care what they give me. They can give me a 5% off discount. I just want to be able to say that I'm, um, uh, uh, Bucky's is, is a proud partner of the back of the range. That's just, that's a goal we have here. So, um, no, it's, uh, I will say Bucky's was like, you know, I obviously, when I lived in Birmingham, I didn't really go much. And then when I moved, it was like, for whatever reason, I wasn't close to one anymore. And whenever I was close, I would go. Um, but they had one, they built one in Huntsville, Alabama, right before I moved. Um, and it literally made that exit like, completely shut down like oh yeah how crowded that bucky's was was unbelievable I mean, they had to put stoplights in they had to put another like <laughs> off ramp in. it was always unbelievable um but no now uh now whenever i'm in huntsville i'll go and whenever i go up there and play with some buddies and um i'll, I'll make sure to stop there pretty much every time i made the uh mistake of and i i can't remember what tournament it was or where i was going but i stopped at a bucky's on it was either memorial day or labor day and it was oh, just, goodness. right and I, I and of course you know when you're doing what i'm doing covering amateur golf all over the you know sometimes the days just don't register it's it's you know i think of it more like okay that's the third round of the southern amateur instead of that's a thursday and i just found myself there i'm like man they're busy today it was a mob scene it literally looked like like a, a Best Buy or a Target on Black Friday. The, it was you can't, you can't even park you anywhere. Can't move. Well, if you park and then you get inside, you can't move. Um, but they they're a well oiled machine. They were handling it. I was I'm very impressed. Um, well, I've I've fulfilled my obligation to talk about Bucky's on an episode. So let's move on and let's close this out and talk <laughs> about um, next up for you. You are um, you're going to the Trans Mississippi Amateur Brook Hollow in Dallas, Texas. You know there are some players taking a break, but you're in uh, in the driver's seat, so to speak. You're number two right now after three tournaments in the standings. There are a lot of other things this summer that are uh, on your radar. You know, USAM, Western, but talk to me about kind of keeping the momentum going 
and um, you know trying to pick up some more points in this uh, in this points race. Yeah, you know, I think um, obviously you know getting healthy and, and recovering is is main priority, and I've done that the last the last two days. I've gotten with um, Clark Holter, our trainer here at Alabama, and he's helped me especially with my wrist um, tremendously and, and recovery and and that aspect. And they've done a great job. Um, helping me through all of that but um yeah just doing that um game obviously you no know, feels great um a couple things i need to to clean up but i just i just like competing um and playing great golf is so much fun traveling around seeing new places um but yeah i mean if i stay here i'm gonna play golf every day um whether that be with some buddies or whatever and obviously competing and, and playing in tournaments and getting that adrenaline going and that blood rush going it's you know that's why i play um so yeah you know keep the momentum going um playing well and you know never never know what can happen this next one well nick great playing at pinehurst uh, again fantastic back-to-back performances uh, at the northeast and at the north and south safe travels to texas i will see you in dallas for the trans mississippi and uh again back-to-back guests on the back of the range thanks for being here <laughs> it's always an honor uh yeah, I appreciate it, and, and good talking with you. And there you have it. Special thanks to Nick Dunlap for joining me again this week here at the back of the range. Can he do three in a row? Um, yeah, we'll have, just have to wait and see. Make sure you are following on social media, Elite Amateur Golf Series, and the back of the range. And we'll see you next time here at the back of the range. <laughs>